0: Before we get started with episode 51 today, it was just a couple hours ago that we received some very bad news from the entertainment industry. Unfortunately, it seems that we have lost the the one legend, really, that, to all geeks, and that is uh, uh, the, the wonderful Stan Lee.
1: Obviously, Stan needs no introduction. His list of accomplishments is many. Uh, he's the former editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics, the creator or co-creator of so many superheroes. And the Cameo King, he's been in ov- almost every Marvel property going back to 1989's The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Without Stan, so much of our modern genre entertainment simply would not exist. From the current superhero movies to all the writers and artists he inspired through his stories and characters.
0: Yeah, one one only needs to look around pop culture today to understand the impact that this man had. And it's not to say that he was uh, alone in that impact. So, so many other people helped to contribute it, but... Certainly he helped put a focus and and a vision into it that really just changed what we understand about, you know, geek media, for lack of a better term. And I think the best way to remember him is in his own words. Quote, you know, my motto is Excelsior. That's an old word that means upward and onward to greater glory. It's on the seal of the state of New York. Keep moving forward. And if it's time to go, it's time. Nothing lasts forever. countdown for blast off X minus 5 four 3 two X minus one fire Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the Thalo Blue to my Titanium White. I've already applied on my canvas, Mister Robert Longren. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Hello, hello, everybody. And as always, we're going to get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon.
0: It is, of course, National Absurdity Day, Robert.
1: Yeah, nobody said not to look up that calendar, so I'm just going to take that silence as approval, and we're going to continue. And it's glorious. It's glorious. One could almost call that absurd. No, I don't think that's the meets the defini- dictionary definition of absurd. Do you know on the day where we're recording? Do you know what day it is right now on the day we're recording not the day this will be released? National Absurdity Day? No, no. The day this is released is National Absurdity Day. So we are topical. We're a topical oh, I see podcast. What you're I see what you're saying. But the you, day you're, we're
0: you're talking about future absurdity. Yes. Today we're talking about actual what robert
1: today when we recorded this is national pizza with everything on it but anchovies day i mean i'm down i mean the anchovies <laughs> would be what ruins that equation so that is absolutely <laughs> legitimate i'm down oh i love this calendar and i think i think that counts as absurd because that's stupid i don't i who made you know, up that I'm day i'm gonna go with absurd on that one i
0: think that's fair fair uh, judgment
1: right 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 okay i want to give a big shout out to my wife we did not intend to go into the last episode titling it <laughs> two freaking studs on a website. I mean, it should be
0: said that we never go into any episode understanding what we're going to title it.
1: Yeah, it's, that's
0: that's part of the process. It's pretty, it's, yeah, part of the process is pretty much listening to it a second time uh, during the editing process and and you identifying, you know, 10 to 12 ridiculous things that we've said and then sending them to me via text and sending them to Gina and basically whittling it down to, to you know, Two to three good ones, and then one final one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that that's the process. I, I got my hand in it because I pick them out, but then I let you two. And typically, if you agree on one, then that's that. But but two freaking studs on a website needed to be done, and then and then all of a sudden, I just had this vision of like of like an image. I'm like, Gina, can you draw us an original image? And she's like that. She's like, I. It, it's a pretty short turnaround. I'd have to make it cheesy, and I'm like, you're speaking my language, baby. Roll with it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, I, I believe that's the whole point. Right? <laughs> By the way, based on your image, can I just say, bro, do you even lift? <laughs> do you even lift, bro? Uh-oh. I showed that picture to my wife and she looked at it and she was like, so which one's which? And I'm like,
1: obviously I'm the David Bowie one. <laughs> yeah, there's this. she drew it and I'm like, we need to cheese this up more. How can we cheese this up more? And that's when I went with like the full 70s cop stash and cop glasses and then she gave us both mullets. It was great it's a great Which piece funny, of art i don't
0: think i've ever seen you grow like mutton chops or anything but i've i've grown both mutton chops and i had uh the the absurd 70s
1: mustache for a while nice i should i i don't think i could grow the absurd 70s mustache i don't think i have that in me in my i'm gen- letting the beard my-
0: grow right now i don't think i'm gonna shave it before amelia comes
1: are you announcing your your name because you, you did it on the on, on the facebooks but i didn't know if that was like super official i mean i guess it's facebook official so that's good enough right
0: yeah, I mean, look, man, I'm not going to say that there isn't the chance of things changing, but we're both happy, and... It, well, what's the, it,
1: what's the name? What's the name? Amelia Claire. Amelia Claire. Nice. So, I'm a big aviation
0: person, so I suggested Amelia from Amelia Earhart. My wife liked the name, so we, we settled on the first name pretty quick, and then it was a, a battle for the middle name, and uh, my wife has been craving eclairs all of a sudden, and so I... I jokingly said one day uh, to her in front of the kids well why don't we just name her Amelia eclair because that's all you want to eat and everybody got a good laugh out of that and then a couple of days later Sophia says well what about Claire <laughs> and it kind of got stuck in our heads and at first we kind of laughed it off like oh that's so adorable and then it was kind of stuck in our head like a you know bad song and then uh you know we just kind of realized that we both liked it and we were both okay with it and uh, it involved You know the kids kind of chiming in a little bit on it, so there you go.
1: And and you know there's there's some Doctor Who synergy here because uh, there was Amelia Pond, and then Claire was the next companion. There you go. There you go. There
0: you go. I'll allow it. I will allow it.
1: (laughs) Obviously planned. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. It's absurd, Robert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can already tell the theme of the show today. (laughs) Well, as always, let's get this sucker off the road. Again, thank you to our wonderful patrons over at... uh, I almost said thank you on I don't know what the hell I was going for. thank you on I just wanted to expand real quick on that. Thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys really do help keep the lights on. Uh, Every little bit counts. We are definitely a uh, budget form of entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to prove to you that that lack of budget is not where the magic is. (laughs) So... A couple bucks goes a long way a month. We really do appreciate it. It uh helps us keep the servers going and uh <laughs> Yeah,
1: every every increment we can eke ourselves out of the red is, is a welcome one.
0: <laughs> That's how we end up basking in this absurdity. Yes. Oh yes. yes. Oh my. <laughs> All right. Now that we've beaten that horse to death and it's not only only not even five minutes into the show, let's kick this sucker off with our off the shelf segment. This is of course our segment where we talk about in my case, all of the things I haven't had off the shelf because I've been so busy these last couple weeks. Beforehand, we always want to talk about what some of the fans have been playing. And uh, listener Brendan, who, by the way, has a badass podcast that I've been listening to a lot lately, uh, and it's called uh, Pick Up and Deliver. It's a show where he picks up his audio recorder, and in the time it takes him to walk to the train when he's going to work, uh, he delivers a short little podcast, a little 10- to 15-minute podcast, very very pointed stuff. He puts out episodes like a machine gun. So I'm only in the 30s. I'm about 70 behind. Wow. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. He's putting out like two or three a week. Yeah, well, yeah, that format, you can do it. But I mean, yeah, exactly. It's only 15 minutes. Like, I mean, can't really blame the guy.
1: But they're all interesting. The the lead designer of uh, Magic the Gathering does the same thing. It's it's just he records a podcast in the car on his way to work. And that's that's how long the show takes.
0: <laughs> I mean, I could record a podcast in the car as
1: I drive around sometimes too. But you know what? It's just going to be a series of beeps. <laughs> so anyway, Brennan, uh, let us know that he's reading. Uh, he he's reading uh, Shadowrun, the new Shadowrun fifth edition, or I guess it's not that new at this point. But you know what? It's what two years old? Maybe I I have no idea. I I did it come out while my show almost was open? like we
0: we have computers in front of us and we have the internet.
1: Bah technology hold on technology
0: give me a robot hold on hold on Should that I can answer on. my
1: questions and is fully functional and anatomically correct all right you want to give me uh what you think was the day uh i remember it coming out when my store was open but not and it was in the later half so i'm gonna go with 2014
0: no you are wrong you are not ne- uh back far enough i didn't realize it had been this long hmm. how, how old is it july of 2013 oh that makes sense i I had no idea it had been this long i felt like it was just a couple years ago
1: yeah well it, it was i remember it came out when the store was open it's fun i've got it i've got it on my shelf i've read it oddly oddly prophetic choice if everything goes to plan and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Announcement yes. at the end of the show, guys. Yes.
0: <laughs> That's what we in the industry like to call a teaser. You're <laughs> we- Welcome. You we can learn you something when you listen into this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so off today and you're in such a weird mood. It's not fair. I am in a weird mood. I am in a weird mood. All right. Let's keep it rolling, buddy. What, what have you been reading? really
0: <laughs> well i've continued my consumption of the uh f-14 tomcat uh naval operations flight manual
1: nice any more like kit like dashboards or anything fun
0: oh hold on i'll, I'll give you some factoids there
1: oh i'm riveted anything in particular you want to know about yeah. so much jonathan because I, I i so believe this makes great radio you just reading from a book that's that's ray Greenlee's job not yours sir Interestingly enough, uh, there was an interesting
0: warning uh, about firing aim, uh, AWG-9 missiles. Mm. Go on. When the AFCS is in ground track mode, the AWG-9 bit sequence 2 must not be performed. Performing sequence 2 will cause the AFCS autopilot caution light to illuminate, which may cause the ground track mode to disen- disengage. Now, just for a little bit of context, ground track mode is what you use when you're flying nap of the Earth at very high speeds. So when that it disengages... That's not good.
1: That was so amazing, Jonathan. I know, I know. Like, I I feel like I didn't sleep well, so I'm like moving through a fog, but that that pushed me through the fog. See, I know it's ridiculous. Like, (coughs) this kind of stuff completely,
0: totally pleases me to no end. It might be a highly priced naval fighter, but you still check the engine oil with a dipstick. That makes sense.
1: I mean, it's a jet fighter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talks about that on page one one (laughs) eighty three. See, it's it's been pretty fun, real real interesting uh, section here on exhaust wakes and how to avoid them. Because as it turns out, you know the uh, black spin from um, yeah, no, that's a that's a legit thing, yeah, yeah. No, totally legit. Very easy to enter with the F fourteen, and uh, I fully expect to probably be entering one on my first flight. (laughs) So there you go. Good times, good times. The the manual's down. We can continue now. Uh,
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had an interesting couple of weeks. I was at my my kick-ass library with my daughter, and my daughter, like... (laughs) I mean, people don't even realize what you mean by kick-ass library. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we rented a bread maker from the library, and we're making bread right now. (laughs) What does that have to do with reading? I don't know don't care it's a bread maker and i'm making a cinnamon swirl loaf at the moment so there you go that's
0: what i don't understand is just like what does that mean a bread maker you're getting a bread maker from the library
1: they have a library of things that are donated from the fine patrons they've they've got a popcorn cart uh they've got a lot of, a lot of like educational toys uh wait 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 can you check the popcorn cart out yeah what madness is this you can check out a chocolate fountain <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a library or a catering hall it's awesome is what it is it's it's why oregon is great my friend Our I legitimately libraries are amazing. don't know what to make of all this yeah i i should send you a list of the things they have it's it's extensive and kind of amusing they have like beach tents and uh they have a beach kit which comes with uh you know sand toys and, and the whole nine for the family it's great man it's a great library they have a. Uh, i went through their bakeware section and their bakeware section is about 180 mostly different types of cake pans like in different shapes you know you can get like the pumpkin or uh you know like uh like a santa claus or as Carvel ice cream does it that's just everything including fudgy the whale it just matters how you turn it but yeah you could you Wait, can you can fudgy everything the there. whale yeah it's a joke it's some somebody out west out east will get it it's fine man you don't know about fudgy the whale it's fine can
0: you send me stuff after the show
1: You want to read it? Because I feel like I need Fudgy the Whale in my life. (laughs) Sure, I can make that happen. Come on, baby. (laughs) Give me what I want. Anyway, anyway, we're roaming through the library and my daughter randomly looks up at me and says, I want to check out a comic book. I mean, I can't falter logic there. Yeah, I I literally skipped a beat because, like, you know, as as a former comic shop owner who both loves and hates the genre uh, after it, I was like... (gasps) (gasps) Huh? <gasps> is it happening? So we walked over to the uh, the kids comic section and I uh, I still haven't read it yet but I I got the first volume of Young Justice which I really need to read because it's by Peter David, he's a great author. And my daughter informed me that her favorite comic book character is now Spider-Man. And I'm like, "What?" I mean, I'm
0: down. I'm down. I think that's great.
1: So we got her the first uh trade of Spider-Gwen because all of the uh trades that they had of spider-man i kind of knew and they were kind of in the middle of things and i sort of wanted her to start and i had the perfect thing at home so we as bedtime reading material have been reading ultimate spider-man volume one those are great books i agree although funnily enough speaking of things that have not aged well because we have moved on uh, I I I was I was kind of surprised the comic book from the 2000s. We had to sit down and have the talk of yeah, honey. Uh, when when they depict a PE coach uh, calling Peter Parker a girl and suggesting that he wears a dress, uh, yeah, don't. That's not something people should do
0: anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really one of those things. Our society's gotten to the point where we need to start putting. Uh warnings about content <laughs> warning the 1990s had the following
1: uh, uh, this was the year 2000 themes. this was the year 2000 jonathan i was like wow Yeah, but 2000 you're still carrying over all the 90s oh uh, yeah it was yeah it was surprising
0: i remember 2000 yeah i, I do too vaguely because i was in my 20s and
1: i was drinking a lot back then i was not doing anything of the sort at the time
0: yeah i was living in orange county going to college i worked at a bar i drank at a bar yeah, it was a lot of bars in my life
1: I was time. in my 20s going to college. I I was playing uh City of Heroes. That's yeah, what I was
0: doing. You know, I used to have this this roommate Dan. And <laughs> Dan, Dan was a Dan, Dan and I worked together. Uh, this was after I stopped tending bar and Dan and I worked together at this place. He was the IT guy at uh, uh, at our our business and he and I were splitting rent and all that fun stuff. And he would come home on a Friday and he would play EverQuest. Mm-hmm. This is the EverQuest days. This dude would go EverQuesting Friday night, about 6 o'clock. He would show up with a bunch of frozen frozen goods and a bunch of beer. And then he would EverQuest all Friday night, maybe take a break, but generally he would play through till all, all day Saturday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all day Sunday, all night Sunday, and then around 1, 2 in the morning, he'd finally run out of steam from the weekend, and he'd go to sleep for work the next day. hmm Sounds about right. And I'd, I'd leave, I'd go out, I'd come back, there'd be Dan, Dan at the computer, he'd never move. But there would be a slowly growing pile of uh, debris from the snacks
1: and beer. When I was in the, the height of the World of Warcraft, my week consisted of all of my free time I was PvPing so I could work my way up the PvP ladder. 'Cause it's way too complicated to even bother to get into now. But basically the more you PvP'd, the more honor you got, the more honor at the end of the week it would rank you basically. There were titles you could get and they there were only a certain number of them and it just slotted everybody in based off of like raw values. And I that was all I did. If I if I was if I did PvP enough, if I was really good, I could take half a Sunday off back in the day.
0: Yeah, I just never got into the
1: MMOs like it just never grabbed me for whatever reason yeah yeah, yeah. that's how I dated my wife for a while because she lived about an hour and a half away from me for a while uh, before we were married and so we would just go play we were playing City Heroes and then WoW together and we would just go out and quest and chat (laughs) hey man
0: whatever makes you happy right I'm not one to judge
1: that's right so the other thing I've been reading and this will tie into my video game experiences is uh, Battle Chasers the comic because I got Battle Chasers the, the game, which I mentioned last time, although I called it Night Chasers for some reason, which I'm like, it's Battle Chasers. I bought it,
0: too. I bought it, too. just haven't had a chance to play it yet.
1: Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. Did I go down the rabbit hole on, <laughs> on Battle Chasers? Whoo. who? Okay. Where should we begin? Where should we begin? Because there's so much to unpack in Va- Battle Chasers. It's freaking amazing. It is, like, it is like the nexus of all things nerdy. It's incredible. Let's do the comic. Are you feeling the comic? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, the comic... Uh, the first issue came out in April of 1998, and the final issue came out in September of 2001, so over three years. And in that time, the dude produced nine issues. So we're talking about five to six months average between issues, including a the longest break of 16 months. To,
0: to be fair, that was very, very common during that time, because like, uh, uh, Red Star was coming out around the same time, and it was— Easily six to 10 months between issues.
1: Yeah, yeah. And well, and it hopped three publishers in that period of time and, and whatnot. But I found that comic book fascinating because here I am in the year 2018 reading this comic book. It's 20 years old at this point. From my point of view, it it was very um, kind of been there, done that because uh, like one of the characters, his name is Calibretto, and he's a war golem, and but he's like a war golem with a heart of gold, and it's like I've I've seen that character before, obviously, and and he looks vaguely kind of like a, a war machine robot, warjack, or whatever you want to call it, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of like oh, this is just kind of one of those things, but then it dawned on me, this comic book is 20 years old. This comic book was probably. If not the start, in the beginning of the, the whole sort of steampunky, high fantasy mashup genre that we, we kind of take for granted now, especially in this sort of, you know, War Machine's been out for like 14, 15 years at this point. And it, it's striking how much the, the f- first couple of panels Calibretto shows up in match up with how Warjacks and War Machine look and a lot of other stuff. And uh, and like the art from World of Warcraft really reminds me of the art that this guy was doing, and and even I, I got the World of Warcraft comic back in the day, and whoever they got to draw it was just straight up like co- not copying, but he it, he was very obviously inspired by the Battle Chasers guy, and it was it was it was weird. It was weird to realize that so much of things that we I, I consume now, I, I I think I can trace like a straight line back to that comic, you know. That's cool. That's super cool. It's bizarre. It's like, I never heard of it. I This was all news to me. And yeah, yeah. So I, I, I found that fascinating. Uh, as a comic, reading it now, not having like rose-colored glasses, it was okay. What I liked about it was, uh, so it's in like, you know, a, a high fantasy kingdom. And the king in the High Fantasy Kingdom, although he's always depicted as a good guy, he always has this weird smile on his face, like he's gonna like do like a a heel turn at some point and reveal his Machiavellian plan. But he's, and, and he keeps talking about how he wants to rule the world and all that, but he, he seems to be a bang up guy. And I'm like, is just this his character trait? He's just this king who is otherwise benevolent, but has like grand designs to take over the world at some point. I don't know. It's kind of funny. What was interesting about the comic is they, um, like superheroes and supervillains, like they, they straight up call them superheroes and supervillains exist in this fantasy world. But you know, instead of the normal stuff of like, oh, I'm like a mutant or oh, I've got Iron Man armor, like one of the guys, Garrison, who might as well just be Batman because uh, he literally throws smoke bombs at people at one point. He's just like a fantastically good swordsman, like Peter, naturally good, and he's so good that he's just like it's like on like ha- the Forever Man, good, yeah, or like Hawkeye or whatever, you know, like normal dude who uses weapon so well that he gets to play with the superheroes. You know, he's that. And, you know, and then they've got people with, like, magic items and wizards and Calibretto. And there's, there's a guy who's, like, a like and d style monk who's a bad guy. And uh, he's just trying to murder his way to enlightenment. And it's just, it's funny. Like, you play. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. You're doing it wrong, homie. You're doing <laughs> it wrong. You don't murder your way to enlightenment. I well, don't think that's how that works. Says you. Says you. <laughs> so it says, like, pretty much everybody in society. Like, that's a thing hey man, may, may, he had to find enlightenment in his own way. It, it was an interesting comic in that regard. Uh, so they made a game about a year ago called Battle Chasers Night War, which is on everything at this point, even the Switch, actually. They just ported it to the Switch. Oh, there you go. That game is, it's actually the guy who, the reason the comic stopped at issue nine, even though there were supposed to be 12 issues, is the guy got a job in video games and apparently it paid a lot better. So it kind of just stopped for 16 years. But uh, yeah, he he formed his own company called Airship Signikit, and they're like, "What game should we make?" And he's like, "Hey, I own this fantasy property. We don't have to do any world building. Why don't we just do that?" And so they made Night Chasers into a uh, an RPG. And Jonathan, I don't want to like overhype it or whatever, but I gotta say, this might. And, and don't get me wrong; it's got flaws, but this might be one of the best RPGs I've ever played. And I'm not. I, I don't say that lightly. Well, I, I have.
0: I have purchased it. You told me about. Uh... A humble bundle that was going on at the time. Yeah, for the PS4, so I, I have it on my list of things to play.
1: So, so here's what what I want to talk about because, like, this is like the stupidest thing they did, and it's like so obvious in hindsight. But I don't think I've seen anybody else do it. I want to, I want to talk to you about this. So, in in the game, they have a mechanic called uh, Overcharge, and the way Overcharge works is you generate it when you use your basic attacks. Like Garrison, he has this ability called Sting, and when he uses it, he causes a bleed effect and then it generates 20 overcharge. Well, what you can use overcharge for is you will use it instead of mana if you cast, like, basically, like, your abilities or spells or whatever you want to call them, you know? So, like, Garrison has a, a thing where he can, like, hit everybody with, like, a rage wave or he can do cleave where he does pretty much sting on two people instead of just one or whatever. I'm I mean, i I'm like, that. that's freaking brilliant because it gives you, you know, like, in, like, Final Fantasy in a lot of those games, you only use your basic attack if you're trying to, like, you know, manage your resources, you know? But in this game, it's, like, actually a choice, because if you generate overcharge, you essentially get to cast your spells for free. And in that game, getting mana back is actually kind of hard. You have to either go sleep at the inn, and usually in a dungeon, right before you fight the last boss, there'll be a point where it's, like, here, you can have all your mana back. But in the whole dungeon, you don't get the option to do that. You have to use potions and stuff. And if you run out of mana, you're just hosed. You either have to leave and come back, which may reset the dungeon, or you may, you know, whatever. Um, but like, have you heard of that where you you, you 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 have a resource that's fixed, and then you have this thing that you can add to it, and then you can you know what I, do you get what I mean? How like overcharge works?
0: Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It's it's I I can't say I've seen it in a ton of RPGs, but certainly I've seen it in a lot of video games. Like uh, what is it? Uh, Gears of War franchise, where when you do a reload, if you time the reload just right, you get a boost to your uh, damage output. But if you uh, miss that timing you actually jam your weapon and have to clear the jam or you can just reload and leave it alone and it'll just reload automatically but you you get no boost there's no it's risk versus reward
1: right right but as a mechanic i was like why well, like people need to use this like even in board games like if you had a board game where you had like a limited resource but if you did certain maybe not so optimal abilities that you have or on the board or whatever, how it works, you could generate more of something to use without burning your. But if you like really want to go in big on something, you, you can burn your thing that you just won't get back until the end of the board. I don't know. Like, I think it's a great mechanic. I'm like, people need to borrow this for other things. <laughs> well, I can't wait to play it. You got me really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong it's got warts because it pads out its gameplay time with a lot of combat now i really like the combat so it's like not a bad thing because like there's a lot of good synergies and combos and uh it borrows very heavily from world of warcraft in a lot of ways because like there's a fishing game in it that is really dumb but it's one of the ways you can generate like a premium not premium currency because you can't buy it but it's like a it is a premium currency because it's hard to get in in the context of the game and uh also, one of the things you can do is you can go revisit old dungeons and you can turn up the difficulty to get like better loot. But if uh, if you turn on the highest difficulty, if you if you get killed and kicked out of the dungeon, it resets and you lose all your progress. It, it, there's a lot of cute ideas in the game. I like it. It's good. So I highly recommend it. It's called Battle Chasers Night War. There, there was a Humble Bundle within it for 15 bucks, but that, that'll that be long gone by the time this airs. I don't know. Black Friday, maybe. Who knows? But I, I, I recommend it. It is grindy, though. I will give you that. If you don't like grinding on interesting battles, you're, you're not going to like this game.
0: I don't mind grinding as long as there's something engaging in the grind, you know? Like, I, I played the Living Daylights out of uh, Diablo, and I played the Living Daylights out of. Wow, what's that shooter? The, I played the Living Daylights out of Borderlands, and those are both grindy, grindy games.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a grindy game, but it's it's fun. And Calibretto is amazing. He's he, actually all the characters are kind of fun. So I, I've kind of had to put a pause in uh, Battle Chasers because at the library, uh, after a very 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 long time of of waiting in a wait list, I got uh, their copy of Jurassic Park Evolution or Jurassic World Evolution. Na, 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 na. Guys, it's a dinosaur. <laughs>
0: No joke. The other day, Lincoln was in uh, in the bathroom taking a uh, poop, <laughs> and he starts singing. He starts singing Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of his lungs while he's go to the bathroom. So, of course, being the good father I am and respecting his privacy, I probably took up my phone and you know recorded two and a half minutes of it because there's going to come a point where he's going to tell me no, I don't want you to move in, Dad, and I'm going to be like, oh yeah, well then maybe I should show this to your wife
1: or maybe you should just put it on a podcast. <laughs>
0: Patreon exclusive. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's on my Facebook. It's on my Facebook. So feel free to hit me up on Facebook <laughs> and go watch this thing. But right in the middle of the Bohemian Rhapsody, he just switches switches gears all of a sudden and gives us about thirty seconds of Jurassic Park, and then goes right back into Bohemian Rhapsody. It was a total mashup. <laughs> nice.
1: Hashtag weird things that I never expected my kid to do. So, so uh, you, you said you want to talk to me about Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Evolution a so long time. You ago. Think? Oh, I'm still playing it. It's It's much more fun than it deserves to be. I'll give it that, yeah. Like, it's really scratching that itch of, like, building, but it's, like, not hard, because, like, every time I get to a new island, there's this, like, kind of slow creep of, like, trying to get the economy going but once the economy goes you know you're just doing stuff you're like oh i now have three million dollars more than when i started cool (laughs) yeah but the economy is not always the easiest thing to spur like
0: especially as you get into the later uh, islands the the land the actual physical land uh, that you have to work with gets smaller and smaller and smaller
1: i i'm an efficient builder sir I, i know how to make things work I am not worried. <laughs> anyway, I've done the uh, at this point I've done the first two island. Or I'm working on the second island cuz I I did the smart thing and when I unlocked the second island and went there and there was a whole bunch of stuff to research, I'm like, I'm just going to go back to my island where I currently have 30 million dollars in the bank and I'll just research all of that there. Fair enough. Done. <laughs> Which I mean, it's it's what you're supposed to do. I mean, honestly, cuz you you take all your progress with you, so it's like why not go back to the first island and just you know work on that because now now the first island's at five stars and i i i unlocked all the buildings on the first island too so now i just got to kind of do that in the second island and maybe and maybe when i move to the third island that's what i'll do i'll come back to the second island where my economy is just rolling along and i'll uh i'll unlock everything while i'm sort of finishing that up and getting that to five stars
0: yeah i mean honestly that that is essentially what the game is a large chunk of the game is without a doubt yeah so it's a, it's a little grindy, but I, I I don't know. I had a lot of fun. Have you gotten Have you had dinosaurs come out or get get out of control yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I pissed off some of my stegosauruses or not stegosauruses, but one of those types. I don't know how I did it. Uh, I I don't know why they were mad at me, but they were for some reason. So they they busted out of their cage. That was when I went and retrofitted everything with electric fences
0: yeah uh keeping the critters happy is actually one of the most interesting things of the game because they have a very distinct social hierarchy all the different species do and if you don't respect that social hierarchy they get really irritated with you
1: yeah yeah so right now i'm working on a big old raptor pen and i'm probably gonna do some uh some spitty dinosaurs next somewhere else i'm not sure the yeah come on robert you're better than this what spitty dinosaurs use, use, use the name what shriekers and spitties yeah i'll use the name <laughs> i haven't got anything big i want big dinosaurs
0: oh man wait till you get the
1: t-rex or as i like to call it you better have it alone in the pen because otherwise everything else is getting eaten see that's funny because in the book they had two they had a a juvenile one and an older one in the same pen i had three in a pen for a while and they started fighting with each other hmm they get a little territorial hmm it's true i think they mentioned that in the book if i remember correctly
0: and you know what's interesting about that game more than anything else it's surprisingly good about respecting the jurassic park canon it's just it's interesting how respectful of a project it is it it it, it ends up being it feels like jurassic park like it's a good little uh attraction builder So at the end of the day, do you like it? Are you having a good time? I'm having a good time. I'm
1: I'm kind of curious because, like, I I borrowed Battle Chasers from the library, and I bought that bundle two days later because I'm like, I'm just going to own this. There's no reason not to. (laughs) And with Jurassic Park, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to buy this because I I think I've been playing it kind of hard. I got my money's worth
0: out of it, to be fair.
1: Yeah, but I think my, my week of owning it from the library, I think I might be done. Now, I don't get all the cool, like, you know, premium content dinosaurs, but, you know, eh, whatever. I mean, I mean that's that that's where your mileage may vary. It's it's it, it seems like if you play it pretty hard, like you can get you can get done with it in about a week or two if you're if that's your goal. And so just know that before you're going in. And since I can get it for free from the library, I'll I'll just put myself back on the wait list and get it again in like three, four weeks, and that'll be fine. I'm sure that's why I had to wait four weeks to freaking get it, because like the people who are playing it are just like I turned it back in, I'm gonna check it back out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean hey,
0: just get through it
1: yeah yeah so that's that's my plan if i don't i i I probably am because yeah and that's the thing too it's it's oddly like a good break for that game because i i could see it getting a little dull after a while but yeah if i don't have it for three weeks i'll be like oh yeah let's play some jurassic park again for a week that'll be fun
0: yeah no absolutely i mean I, I can't deny anything that you've said but i i feel like i got my money's worth out of it i guess ultimately that's all that
1: matters no, that is
0: all that matters because lord knows i've got plenty of games video games in my collection that i look at and i'm like you i don't fee- see the 60 dollars in you <laughs>
1: i see like eight dollars in you yeah yeah well
0: that's why i try not. and to even buy games. then i feel like i'm being generous so don't don't throw gift or don't look a gift horse in the mouth
1: yeah, well, I I feel that way about several games I have bought, but and I I I got the, that bundle, so I've got like ten games now that I I got to try out. One one of them I like. I I've tried it out already. It's called Sinmora EX. Have you heard of it? Well, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it, it's like a shooter like Gradius, you know. Although it's kind of in this weird like anthropomorphic animal, vaguely like World War One or two. But there's giant robots because, but mostly you're fighting other planes and tanks, and you know, and you get power ups and blah blah blah. But the interesting thing about it is, um, when you start the game, you have 20 seconds on the clock, and if the clock runs out, you, the game's over. And the way that you add time to the clock is you kill stuff. And so you know you can't just like do the thing that some people do. It's like I'm just going to dodge everything. Nah, who cares? You know, it's like no. You actually have to like actively kill things because otherwise, because that's how you you don't run out your clock. And and all the time that you you boot up, you have to use that on the boss. And you know, and if like typically the bo- bosses have little destructible parts, and if you blow something up, it puts time on the clock. But you have to give yourself enough time to blow something up on the boss. Otherwise, you lose. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting game. If you like kind of arcadey, y Gradius-style side-scrolling shooters like that. I, I was playing it, and I'm like, this is, this is oddly engaging. I'll have to give this more of a go after I get done with Battle Chasers. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what have you been playing? On the video game front, a fair amount
0: of Red Dead Redemption 2, late nights. So I've been playing it like 10 or 11 at night, and i play it for like an hour or two before I just pass out. Nice. And, uh, my gosh, that game is just amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. it's beautiful it's engaging it's a western so it starts off with a real slow burn but in in all the right ways if you're a fan of westerns it feels like a western it's everything i wanted it to be and i'm having such a great time and there's such such good introspective dialogue in it because you know it takes place in the early 1900s and some of the characters are even commenting to themselves like hey our, our our way of life is dying like what are we going to do and it's just, it's really interesting to, to see people realizing that their, their, their kind is coming to an end.
1: Reminds me of what Sam Neill said in the, uh, the magnum opus, John Carpenter's in the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> Every species can smell its own extinction. <laughs> yep. Yep. In a few years, a decade at most, will just be a story that they tell to their children. A fairy tale.
0: <laughs> God, I love That's that fair. movie.
1: I love that movie That's so fair. much.
0: Um, I've been playing a lot of <coughs> Call of Duty Black Ops Four, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know something I can play with my friends and, and, and get you know 10, 15 minute increments here and there. Um, the new Blackout mode, which is very much player uh, player unknowns battleground, except good. Um, <laughs> Tell me what you really <laughs> think, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> player, look, man, <coughs> PUBG's is a great idea. It's a great great idea. Uh, unfortunately, it's mired with traditional indie shortcomings and that is you know no no art budget and um it just not not the ability to tune as finely as a a long-term triple-a developer
1: you know what i don't know what you're talking about because battle chasers man is tight (laughs) and it's indie game it's got great art and the gameplay is amazing
0: a little different with a first-person shooter it's a a tougher genre to crack i'll i'll
1: i'll give you that i'll give you that
0: you know, it, uh, an RPG and, and the nature of the systems, it, it, it uh, you, you don't, I was, lends itself better for, for the indie developer to have success.
1: I was mostly kidding, so there you go.
0: But you know what I mean. I, you know, you, know, I, mean. I know. I'm you mean. Not I trying would, to knock their I, achievement. Like, they're making millions of dollars. Obviously, they did something right. Still haven't played that game,
1: nor have I actually watched a video of someone else playing it.
0: Yeah, I just, I never got into PUBG... For whatever reason, it didn't engage me, but the the blackout mode in this is uh, very similar to PUBG, and it is vi- hyper-engaging, and I'm really into what it's doing, and I'm having just a ton of fun with it. This is the first Call of Duty game in quite some time that I've actually gotten into in terms of the, the multiplayer being accessible and not, I don't know, it just accessible, I guess is, is the right word, because previous COD games, I've had a lot of trouble kind of getting into the multiplayer uh, experience, and this one, I find myself completely enamored with in all the right ways. I picked up Diablo on the Switch at the behest of some of my my friends who uh, were begging me to get it. I picked it up, and lo and behold, it's a portable Diablo, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing.
1: Yeah, tell that to all the people who are freaking out about Diablo Immortal. Okay, uh, let me go ahead and address that. <laughs> to get a little ranty okay
0: okay, okay. uh so one. wait 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 wait, Jonathan. remember stay positive i don't remember you being owed a thing by the developer it may not be what you want but it's what they want to make and, and the, you know how you vote you vote with your your dollar if that's not what you wanted then don't buy it it's that simple they'll get the hint and they got the cash reserves that this isn't going to break them they wanted to make Diablo on a phone. I get it, right? Like, that's such a huge market. How can you say no to phones? You know what I, I think they honestly
1: screwed up on? At
0: the end, BlizzCon? They even telegraphed it. They said. They basically right, right, said right, right, were right, working right. on multiple Diablo <laughs> projects. Well, okay. Based-
1: so, so I was reading an article about this on, on Kotaku, and and once again, I agree with it because I'm bringing it up. But the problem with Diablo Immortal was they made it the last announcement of BlizzCon, which, you know, like, that has been, like, World of Warcraft expansions and Overwatch and insanity like that and so to save that for you know last I, I i could see why people were a little let down that you know the last expansion of blizzcon was you know not diablo 4 which people were oddly expecting because again they you were about to mention that letter they published right where they said like you know we're working on multiple diablo projects blah 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 but the problem is in corporate double speak you know where you can't talk about something before you announce it i read that letter and you can read it with the okay guys don't don't get too crazy you know, it's it, we we got stuff coming out. We're working on so just just don't expect too much from BlizzCon. But the problem is, you can also read it, it's like, okay, guys, now don't get crazy. Wink. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of stuff in development, so there could be other things coming out. You know, at any time, huh? Huh? You know, and if if you read it with the uh, oh, they're being veiled that they're going to announce Diablo Four, you could totally read it that way if you wanted. And yeah, it's just, it was kind of a marketing foul. I, and I don't know how they, well, maybe they just shouldn't have a, had a BlizzCon if they didn't have anything big to announce. Cause like, you know, no, no new expansion, no new. It, I mean, Diablo Immortal is the only new game. And the other thing they were like, Warcraft 3 uh, re, re, uh, Reforged, I think, and, and an Overwatch character. I mean, it wasn't Which like i I'm
0: really excited about Warcraft 3 Reforged because you know what? Warcraft 3 was a great game. Yeah, yeah. A great game. And, and getting a remaster of that, that's gonna be great. I'm so stoked about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with the phone thing too because you know what? I find myself screwing around with a phone game pretty regularly. That's just the nature of, of, of the beast. I'm much more inclined to play that mobile version than I am inclined to play a console version, just simply because of the accessibility aspect of it. Oh, I'm in a, in a line and I got 20 minutes to kill. Okay, guess what? I'll just play me some Diablo. Oh, you know, I'm sitting in. I'm sitting in my lunch and uh, you know, I got 10 minutes before I have to go back. Okay, great. I'm gonna play me some Diablo.
1: I I just kind of watched it with amused detachment.
0: I don't know. I, I'm getting upset about a lot of things in the video game industry. The, 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 just the internet rage has got to stop. You know, we, we try and keep things positive, and I think the whole world just kind of needs to take a note and, and keep things positive. Because <laughs> I see all these people getting upset about Battlefield Five, which coincidentally is the next thing on my list. And they're getting all worked up about, you know, oh, this game isn't historically accurate, blah, 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 blah. Oh, 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 now we're going to bring historically accurate into it? Because last time I checked, you're not going to be walking around with 17 different weapons and an infinite amount of ammunition in World War II. Mm-hmm. And, and the other aspect of it that really gets under my skin is they are treating different developers uh, with different levels of respect. Call of Duty World War II came out last year. It had female playable characters in multiplayer, and it had a bunch of ridiculous stuff in multiplayer... And you know what? It's a video game. It's okay to have that kind of wacky stuff in there, and it's also okay to have that representation in there. But nobody batted an eye at Call of Duty. Now all of a sudden, EA has their thing, and they've got all this bad bad will from the the Star Wars game from last year. And everybody's just like, "Oh, you know, I don't want you know representation in this game. It's supposed to be accurate." Blah blah blah. Where were you guys last year? Ah, it just makes me upset.
1: I'm okay again. Okay. Thank you, Sam Jackson and and Jonathan's head.
0: man, if if, if I had gone full, Sam Jackson, oh you, you
1: oh yeah, call me after this. All right. so so Battlefield five, let's just move on.
0: It's brilliant. It's the best multiplayer game I've ever played in my entire life.
1: That's a bold statement.
0: It is. It, it's It's faster than any battlefield has been before. In that respect, it leans towards cod. Uh, you can run while crouched, which makes a lot of sense for a soldier on a, on a battlefield getting shot at. It's dynamic; everything breaks. I mean, you hiding in a building doesn't matter because that building is fragile and probably going to get exploded by some humongous tank. But what about what what about your biplanes? The the biplanes have been replaced, man. Now I can fly a,
1: a Messerschmitt Me one hundred and nine and a Spitfire. Are, are you wrecking with those? Because you were wrecking with those biplanes.
0: I was wrecking with the biplanes. Yes, I have been wrecking with those. Um uh, one of my most favorite things is to get real high after I've cleared uh cleared out any uh enemy aircraft and then I'll just do strafing runs on the objectives and just I've racked up so many kills that way. <laughs> Death from above, baby death room above
1: nice so how many hours have you played of that because you said uh you, you 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 here's okay so this is what i remember this is what i remember i i, I want to know how this compares because you you were giving me crap about dragon quest but then you realized battlefield 5 was coming out and you're like i'm i'm totally gonna do that so jonathan have you totally done that
0: well i downloaded the game on saturday
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's today monday mm-hmm. uh i i ran through all 10 hours of the uh trial
1: okay okay
0: So I ran out of time on the trial. (laughs) Now, come Thursday, it officially releases, and I'll have access to everything. And the trial's the full game. Like, there's no... There's no... I guess I downloaded it Friday. So I played, like, three hours Friday, three hours Saturday.
1: We'll check back in with you next week, then. Or next time.
0: And then, yeah, and then about... Four hours yesterday so yeah that's about right
1: yeah all right okay we'll check back in with you
0: i just i really really like it so i'm kind of off the battlefield junk until thursday whether i want to or not (laughs) unless i want to spend like 90 bucks on uh another 10 hour trial (laughs) because i'd have to buy another year of xbox live and get a different gamer account and then resubscribe to uh, ea access on that gamer account seems ridiculous that's not going to happen that's just a dumb idea
1: yeah that's a very dumb idea jonathan don't do it you got plenty of <laughs> things to do
0: but the thought crossed my mind and i really just weighed the options there for a moment just which is scary
1: just play some battle chasers it's good times i will i will i will i will i will the, the animations on battle chasers are amazing and then yeah that's it for my
0: uh for my video game playing uh, diablo on the switch is beautiful i mean it's diablo it's full-on diablo that's and cool. the Switch is just so portable, which is great. Like It's it's really pleasing that itch. And mind you, I, and I don't know how I feel about this. I, I almost feel like I should be upset at Blizzard, except I can't be because they just make me happy. This is the fourth time I've bought this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I bought it on the, the PC. I bought it on the 360. I bought it on the Xbox One. And now I'm buying it on the Switch.
1: What is wrong with me? I don't know. By the way, tell my wife why we should buy a Switch because she's listening right now. Why? Why you should buy a Switch? Yeah, it's
0: good with the kids. Um, the Zelda game is really genuinely fun. Uh, there's a lot of really great uh, games like Diablo. Um, the kids can enjoy games like Splatoon and whatnot, which gives you that shooting, uh, shooting thing without you know the war that's
1: associated with it. Without the horrific violence, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's just it's a really good bridge console. It gives you all the stuff that you've come to expect from Nintendo, so you get your Marios and stuff like that, which Mario is super brilliant and fun. And it's got decent third-party support, which is kind of nice for a Nintendo console, especially after the mess that was the last couple. So are we getting ready to move
1: into board games? Yeah. All right, right, two things before we move into board games. First, uh, I've had this odd desire... To eat egg bagels, and I can't find any in Oregon. So if anybody knows a way to get them in Oregon, like you don't have like a like a like a Jewish deli,
0: I bet Jewish deli would have it.
1: I'd have to go looking. I, I maybe I just need to look harder. I'm way way out on the edge of the suburbs, man. Like, yeah, I know, but sometimes you gotta you gotta drive for the things that you love. Well, I I'm not gonna have an opportunity until next week. I would drive for you. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, I I was re-listening to our last episode. God, I'm so sorry. I was so... Was that the one I was high on? No, no, it was the AMA. You were quite good.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, now I'm thinking about the one before when I was
1: on all the decongestants. <laughs> no, that was funny in its own way. <laughs> I, I just forgot to mention something about the store, and I really wanted to mention it because it's, uh, it's worth mentioning. Uh, one of the best things ever about owning that store, uh, for example, that wedding that we went to, uh, the guy who officiated it was a customer at my store, and he met uh, my friend because they both went to my store. Uh, occasionally, uh, my uh, my old business partner will send me images from Magic Streams, and occasionally people who are at our store will get onto you know like Pro Tours and stuff, and you know they'll you know and he'll they'll go like oh hey they're there with so and so or they're there with you know blah blah blah, and it's it's amazing to me, and it's really really it really makes me feel the warm feelies inside when I realize that there are people who made friends at our shop and those friendships exist outside of it, you know, like our shop closed and those friendships have continued and like we touched lives and that makes me feel really good inside. So that was, that, that's actually kind of like the, the ongoing legacy of my store, which is all of these people that we brought together for gaming. And it makes me, it gives me the warm feels. So that should be said.
0: I get all sniffy every time I drive by, by the store. I look over and I see that dance studio and I just think to myself, you're a lie.
1: The lady's really nice who owns that dance studio. She she came I'm in. sure she's lovely. I met it's her. Not she's her quite fault she was she quite nice. She she's not no man, she's she's do, she's actually doing really well. I I, I, I talked to her actually, not uh, right before I left. I was asking her how she was doing and stuff. Um, and yeah, no, no, things are going good for her and, and and she's touching lives too, man. She's she's bringing a whole bunch of kids together through dance through the power of dance. It's not
0: her fault. I can't blame her.
1: You, please don't. She is not living a lie. She is living. She's she's being awesome in her own way, and I I fully encourage her. And and I am glad she never took our sticker off the back thing because I I think that's uh that's that 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 makes me happy too. But yeah, and the funny part is the place used to be a dance studio and then it became a dance studio again. Maybe we were the lie, Jonathan. You know, maybe that store wants to be a dance studio. It needs it. <laughs> that is very Inception of you. <laughs> had this like flirtation with games it's like no 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 dance studio this needs to be a dance studio
0: <laughs> i just want to dance everybody just wants to play games i just want to dance <laughs> well
1: it's a coincidence
0: oh jeez that's absurd
1: <laughs> yes uh, all right let's do board games we've been recording for almost an hour now
0: All right, well, uh, only a couple board games for me, and none of them were actual physical. This is the first week in quite some time that I have not been able to physically put a board game out on my table. Man, I went looking for that list, and I did not need
1: to. I'm just going to close it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, actually, you do need the list, my friend. You do. Why? Because just this afternoon, not but four hours ago, I came home and found a giant box full of fireball island oh i need to add it to the list yes good
1: good i mean let
0: me just go ahead and save you some time you're gonna be taking it off next episode so if you don't just do what you need to do you know what i'm saying?
1: not if you have another two weeks like the two weeks you just had son oh
0: man i'll have a heart attack before i have another two weeks like that
1: (laughs) that's sounds oddly prophetic you better knock on wood
0: (laughs) i have no wood to knock on my friend
1: there's a joke in there but i'm not gonna go looking for it Move on. Oh, hold
0: on. I found some wood. There you go. No, I'm really excited. The kids are really excited. Everybody saw it. We took it out. We looked at it a little bit. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful production. And it totally takes me back to my childhood. So I'm really excited. Uh, we've been playing a lot of Board Game Arena, you and myself and a couple of the listeners. I found out a couple things. Number one, Takenoko is still fun, especially playing it online. I'm having a great time with it. Number two... Um, Seven Wonders is fantastic, but man, if you get a bad shuffle and you can't win, you are just done. You're just done. <laughs> that last game we played, I could not catch a break. Every hand I got, I couldn't afford something. Nice. Completely resource star. Imminent Domain. Great game. I have the physical copy. On the phone, at least, and this is not, you know, I don't blame anybody for this. On the phone, it's just not playable. It's frustrating because i'll try and zoom in to look at a card and see what it does and i'll inadvertently pick it and there's no way to back up
1: yeah i was having that problem with talking because I, I was trying to like, if I touch this, will it let me know what the space is? Or do I have to go look it up in the manual? Touch it. Oh, nope. I got to go look it up in the manual. And I'm locked in.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that's the only thing that that, uh, that system needs. Just a, a backup button. That's all. I'm just, you know, you, ask me if that is absolutely the move I want to submit. And if it is, I will say, okay. And then we move forward. Don't just auto-submit. It's just the nature of us all being on phones instead of being on a computer with a mouse and keyboard. Um, again, I don't blame the developers, because this framework has been around for quite some time. Uh, but, uh,
1: you know, it is what it is. Add a back button. Speaking of which, i got to make my move in Takanoko. I need to play Raids with you one day, because Raids is great. It's Takenoko with aggression. Oh, no. Oh! Ah, God damn it, I clicked on the wrong button.
0: Ah! Ah! There it is. There it is. Now, feel my pain. Yeah. Feel my imminent domain pain.
1: And I'm done. I believe it is... Whose turn is it now? Is it mine? No, it's Ray's turn. Ray, if you're listening, take your turn. <laughs> Is that it? That's it, man. That's
0: all I have. It's, like I said, it's just been a busy two weeks. We just had a lot of personal weird stuff kind of pop up at the same time. There's been a lot of tense family phone calls instead of having fun. That's no fun. Ah, uh, hey, you know, you're going to have those months.
1: Well, you you're know what? We should, uh, we should uh, move out into our next segment. And while we're gone, I'll go check on how my cinnamon roll bread is doing. From your library bread machine? From my library bread machine, yes. I don't even know what to make of all this. It's this just ridiculous. <laughs> we stuff. live in the future, man. You can rent appliances.
0: Oh, all right. Well, we will be back after a short break
1: with our Wisdom of Crowds segment.
0: We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following.
1: You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmdpodcast. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com you can also message us or tweet
0: us on twitter find us at forgot my dice
1: you can join us on patreon where we post outtakes and other bonus content and if you like the show the best way
0: for more people to find out about us is to give forgot my dice a review on itunes stitcher or the google store
1: lastly for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast pick up your shoe phone and call agent 82 chief it's acceptable to get podcasts on a wristwatches it won't be distracting I I just don't even know what's happening right now. Well, it's classified, Jonathan. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you.
0: Oh, we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s. And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment.
1: And leading it off, a little bit of rough news. Two episodes ago, we, we talked about Evil Hat having to pump the brakes, and now John Wick Presents is having to do the same. They, of course, did the uh, 7C Kickstarters 7C uh, Katai and just 7C Classic. I don't know what you'd call it. 7C? 7C. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, he reported in a Kickstarter update uh, about a week or two ago now that. Uh, uh, after reviewing the company's au- finances in August, uh, they discovered that they weren't making enough money, and so he had to lay off his entire workforce, which was not an insignificant amount of people. I remember he hired like seven or eight people after the Kickstarter, and they're looking at uh, ways to keep the line going, which sounds like he may be trying to sell off the property. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but yeah, that's two now. That's that's nuts. There's just so much choice. There's so much choice on the market. Yeah,
0: You know, like when I was at Gen Con this year, I'm just looking around, and it's just like there was a new game at every booth, sometimes two to seven new games, and it's just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It used to be that you could look at Gen Con, and you had a clear picture. These are the hot games. These are the five that everybody's going to flock to. Now you look at Gen Con, and you're like, I don't even know what the hot five are because there are so many good games. And that's just the thing. Like, overall, quality? Through the roof. Yeah, I agree Production quality, writing quality, gameplay quality, it's all through the roof. Uh, It's just,
1: there's just so much of it. So, but he hasn't said he's had to cancel the line. He he just says, you know, they're going to have to slow down, which they were almost done with 7C, the first one. I think they had like two or three books left. It just means he's probably just going to have to do more himself, so... I I wish him the best because I I really wanted that Colonies book, and now it's going to be even longer. I'm sad.
0: (laughs) Uh, But it'll be worth the wait because those, those books have all been class. Yeah,
1: true that, true that.
0: Well, I'll give you a couple news bites. The first one is Barnes & Noble has released a holiday gift guide. And guess what? Board games? Huge central component of that gift guide. This is my shocked face. (laughs) Well, you got a lot of stuff that you would expect in there, like Battleship Connect 4, Clue, Monopoly, etc., right? All the mass market stuff. But then you've got a bunch of stuff, all the way from classics like Catan, Pandemic, and Ticket to Ride to newer, what you could argue are are more um, niche games like uh, Pandemic Legacy, Photosynthesis, Star Wars X-Wing 2nd Edition. Uh, There's just a ton of stuff in there. So it's really it's really exciting that it, it has become a large enough component of their business that they're now dedicating a large guide to it, which is great. That, that really says what board games are doing for
1: Barnes & Noble. Well, yeah. I mean, board games are nuts at Target, too. They keep expanding that. Yeah, and Walmart, too. I was at Walmart the other day. Now they have a huge uh, board game section. Yeah, I know. I think they started picking up their first exclusives, too. I thought I read that somewhere. Maybe I haven't. <laughs> Maybe we should have covered that in the news instead of me just reading it. <laughs>
0: they haven't made a big noise about it, is the yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Inter- yeah, interesting. Well,
0: some news out of Firelock Games as well. And mm-hmm. those are, of course, the folks that do Blood and Plunder. Mm-hmm. They're releasing a new game called Oak and Iron. And this is a fleet-based naval strategy game that I will be buying. Vikings? No, it's it's Oak and Iron. So it's uh, the same time period.
1: Well, I just I just assume since you are going to be buying it, it had Vikings in it.
0: Like, no, it's got sailing ships in it, so I'm, I'm excited uh, for that.
1: I yeah, it, that that's it, true. Age
0: of Sail stuff, all I'm all about it.
1: Yeah, um, that's kind of your sub love. Like like your first love is Vikings, but yeah, yeah, Age of Sail, uh, yeah, true that.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm gonna have me some Age of Sail. Uh, Oak and Iron is a great f- name too. Can I just say what a great great name? Twenty-eight millimeter miniatures. It's one six hundredth scale for the ships. You get to choose a faction, and all these are going to be real factions. And here's the cool part. You can actually link it into your Blood and Plunder games. It's designed to act as a standalone game or to clip into your Blood and Plunder games. And what's neat is um, the actions are determined by orders uh, on initiative cards. And there's a bunch of stuff that can affect your initiative. So, you know, pluses and minuses. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a game that appears to be, just at first glance of the rules, uh, really based on momentum, which is kind of neat.
1: So uh, the president of uh, Wizards of the Coast had, a, uh, had like an investor's call or something, but he said a few interesting things about the D&D. D&D is up 30% in 2018. And since this was an investor thing, I'm pretty sure that means sales. <laughs>
0: yeah, what, what a flip side to the coin from the, the story we just spoke of.
1: Yeah, well, and here's the thing, too. Uh, uh, the article uh, I was reading mentioned that this 30% has, has started with 5th edition and just continued. So we're now, what, we're in the fourth year of D&D, and it's up 30% from, you know, it was 30% in the first year, then another, then another. I mean, yeah, it's, that's crazy how big D&D's gotten. Uh, and there's a few fun quotes. Um, the company is set to release a major crossover between Magic the Gathering and Dungeons & Dragons with Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. And he's said to expect more of that with classic worlds from the past and new worlds that are still to be created.
0: So it looks like the experiment of the plane shifts is now coming to full fruition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting um, because the the book's been released uh, to the premium stores. And so people are kind of flipping through it and giving their thoughts. And it's getting kind of like a mixed... It's kind of funny. You can tell basically a very key thing about the reviewer based off of what they say about it. Because if um, there's basically people who are aware of what Ravnica is and, and like kind of know the lore because they play magic or whatever, and then there's people who don't. And so the people that know Ravnica say the book's great and they love it and it gives them everything they want. And then the people who don't know Ravnica are saying it's light and flimsy and there's not enough there. And they're sort of lamenting uh, the way Wizards has been handling setting books in general. Because, uh, I, and I will give them this: uh, the Sword Coast Adventures guide was very surface level <laughs> of, of a lot of stuff in the Forgotten Realms. And um, and they're doing the Eberron book now too. And the Eberron book is the same way. Like I, going into Eberron without having ever read Eberron before, I think I need to get the third edition book to kind of round out the fluff stuff because they basically give you it. it it, but basically what I'm getting from it is like the Guildmaster's guide is like basically a player's guide to Ravnica or, you know, like plane shift, like the mother of all plane shifts, Ravnica. And you still might need to get the art book. If you're not familiar with Ravnica to sort of round out the setting. But then again, if you've been playing magic for years and you know, you know, you're where the lore wikis are, you could probably just do it anyway. So yeah, it, it it's interesting, but yeah, like a lot of the early reviews, you can really tell who has played magic and knows what Ravnica is and who hasn't just based off of how they feel about the book. And it's it's a very clear line between the two, like that that is always the case. It's like somebody who knows Ravnica is like, "Oh, this book's great. It gives me every, I can play Boros. This is awesome." And then people who don't know anything about Ravnica. It's like, "I don't know what these guilds are. What is all this con- It doesn't have any context?" And it's like, "Yeah, well, yeah, it's weird. Anyway, also uh, quote the president said, "The tabletop side is obviously where the majority of our business is today, and we see a big, robust future for that. Uh, the digital side is the kind where we disconnect the disconnect comes between the straight line growth curve and the hockey stick. So a fair amount of my time is spent on new initiatives helping to build those teams and groom our plans for that. End quote. That's exciting.
0: That's really exciting.
1: Yeah. So uh yeah, D is doing well, which is good. Anytime the market leader's doing good, it it helps everybody else do good. Truth.
0: Very, very much a
1: truth. All right. Back over to you, sir.
0: All right. Well, uh, some bad news out of Essen this year. There was another robbery. If you remember a couple years ago, there was a uh, robbery from at Ludi Creations. Uh, a thief stole their cash box from Essen, and they actually turned that into a tongue-in- tongue-in-cheek game called Steal This Game. <laughs> <laughs> and they threw it up on Kickstarter, and uh, there was huge, huge support from the community for for Steal This Game. Uh, And it helped them balance their their losses. Well, sadly, this year it's happened again, and this time it was Artipia Games that got hit. And a little bit of irony here, they were running demos for a game called
1: A Thief's Fortune. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? Don't you think? Yeah. Perhaps it'd be like rain on your wedding day?
0: Uh, Now you're just being...
1: uh... Or maybe a free ride when you already paid? It's like that good advice that you just didn't take. And who would have thought that it figures?
0: You're being absurd, Robert. And I know it's <laughs> National Absurdity Day, but you need to stop. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, it's our like that Mr. Plan really, Safe really that was afraid
1: to fly. And oh, he packed his suitcase stop. and kissed his kids goodbye. I...
0: So Artipia is really, uh, it's a family company. It's a a family indie game company. And it's really sad to see that they got hit this way. They have actually started a a Kickstarter campaign. It's five specially designed promos for uh, A Thief's Fortune, of course, Fields of Green, Kitchen Rush, The Pursuit of Happiness, and Whoosh Bounty Hunters. All the promos are basically just a a tongue-in-cheek reflection of the incident. But um, they've got them up on Kickstarter. If you want to go and help support them... Uh in, in making up those losses, it's 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 just a pity that somebody took advantage of them that way. It's just frustrating. I thought that, you know, we as a whole were better than this.
1: Nah, there's always bad eggs, man. I know.
0: There's always gonna be that one bad apple.
1: One one of the bad apples was arrested this time, by the way. Oh, that's good. But like why would you go pay the money to get walk into Essen to do that? That just seems like I don't know, man. Like, there's probably easier ways to do that. <laughs> That's oddly specific. Yeah, it specific. seems like
0: walking into a 7-Eleven and, and hitting that over would be a lot easier than going to all the trouble of going to Essen.
1: Or getting your, your your plasma welder that you bought from that, that guy who who salvages a uh, Chichutti equipment and then, like, trying to cut out a ATM machine, but then the Amazing Spider-Man stops you. Or not the Amazing Spider-Man, just the Spider-Man Homecoming stops you.
0: There you go. Yeah. Now, in the digital realm, uh, Aeon's End, which is a cooperative deck builder that came out a few years ago. I actually backed the original Kickstarter, really enjoyed the game. Aeon's End is actually going to go digital. Yeah, yeah, I saw that Kickstarter.
1: A couple people I, I follow backed it.
0: Yeah, I, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's a fun co-op deck builder, uh, which is, is great. And I think it's going to work really well in a, in a digital format.
1: Well, more out of Wizards of the Coast. Nathan Stewart, who works for the D&Ds, has confirmed that there is going to be a new setting book out in 2019. And when pressed, he confirmed it will not be Spelljammer. So no giant space hamsters and hippogriffs and all of that, sadly. Man. Yeah. Um, They have not said what it's going to be. However, – I mentioned before they have like that beta out of the eberron wayfarers guide so they might just wrap all that up i've heard rumor that the uh, they're trying to get the artificer class ready to to roll uh with that book uh you know to kind of roll them out at the same time also mike merles has been working really hard on getting the psionics class uh, updated to have another beta test of it and he said basically he's doing it because of dark sun so maybe we're actually going to see dark sun who knows but yeah um Based on the fact that they have just things they said I would expect to expect it around this time next year, you know, it's probably that that Guild Masters of Ravnica slot, the November slot. so yeah, but yeah, probably about a year from now, a new a new setting book, which is quite cool. And who knows? Maybe it'll be the next magic setting. Maybe they're going to go back to Theros because they could use a, a mythical Greek setting, and Theros is just pre-built lore for that. so
0: who knows? Over to you, Jonathan. Well, some interesting news that we don't get a lot of in the board game world. We're getting a big, giant crossover. Men in Black and Ghostbusters are crossing over into each other's universes for a board game called Men in Black Ghostbusters Ecto-Terrestrial Invasion.
1: (laughs) That sounds like a comic book event. It's based (laughs) on a comic book, isn't it? But it's IDW, so yes. Yes, yes okay, there you go.
0: Uh, it's coming in fall of 2019, not a lot of details yet, it's still a bit early, but I loved, loved the box art that is available for it, and it totally uh, totally made me happy.
1: You know what's funny? I know exactly what you're talking about, because I saw that story, and it did not even register to me that it wasn't a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's gonna be a fun mini series i love crossovers like well, that N-
0: ninja division is designing the sculpts for the uh for the game uh, and they do some beautiful beautiful sculpts and uh art is going to be by Derek loffman uh and it's being designed by a company called panda cult games and it's going to be published by idw nice i like it well we talked about it when it was announced and now it's finally come to fruition robert and i'm putting it in the news because i really want this game well don't leave me hanging home skillet go axis and allies and zombies is now available oh yeah we covered
1: that have we found it looks out? so cool too i'm looking at pictures of the contents of the box and it looks great so how do the zombies work in this i don't know i don't know i don't i'm get. i can go and try and find the rule books if you want uh n- n- nah because we, we got to get done recording that's your homework jonathan get us get, get we need more I want to know more. I'm clicking the button. Nothing's happening. I mean, it's, it's they, there's there's some really good designers in on this
0: pro- project. Mike Merle, Scott Van Essen, they're they're all Watsi designers. So I'm, I've got I've got really high hopes. Two to five players, sixty to one hundred eighty minutes. The board is gorgeous. I'm looking at a picture of the board right now. It's just re- it's really nice. Well, and Pandasaurus Games uh, released some some interesting news recently. First of all, they've got a new game coming out called Dead Man's Cabal. It's a game about resurrecting yourself a group of friends so that you can
1: throw a party and have actual guests. Wait, it's a dead man's party? Yes, who could ask for more? Everybody's coming. Leave your body at the door. Leave your body and soul mm. at the door. Mm-hmm. 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 True that. You play
0: a necromancer and you're at the top of your game. You've got uh you've you've got mastery over all nine dimensions of space and time, and there's nothing that's out of reach for you except making friends. <laughs> so you're gonna resurrect you some (laughs) it's such a brilliant completely wacky idea for a game i love it i'm into it i think it's fantastic now the other piece of news coming out from uh pandasaurus is that they have hired jonathan gilmore as the head of game development now he's worked with them before he uh co-designed wasteland express delivery service and Dinosaur Island, so um, they're they're making it official.
1: Dinosaur Island, the the game I'm super pissed I didn't play when I came over. Oh, Oh, I know. Now that I'm playing Jurassic World Evolution. Just means I have to come back to Texas next year. Ah, that's a good reason to have you. (laughs) So, a friend of the show, Ray Greenlee, uh, forwarded this one to us a long time ago. So, Magpie Games announced that they have the license to make an RPG based off of The board game Root, which is a asymmetrical board game about different factions trying to take over a a forest. And you play little forest critters that are parts of these different factions.
0: And and Root was all the hotness this year at Gen Con. It was huge. It was one of the few games that everybody had and everybody was talking about. They sold out.
1: So in the board game, it looks like you you play one of uh, four factions. And, uh, you know, there's evil kings and rebels and blah, blah, blah. Um, One of the factions called the Vagabonds, which are kind of like Clint Eastwood style, man with no name, like they can kind of really swing things based off of who they decide to get involved with. So that's what you're going to play in the RPG, they said. You're going to play these Vagabonds who are sort of traveling around the forest looking for adventure and treasure and sort of getting intertwined with the machinations of the other four factions. And uh, it's coming to Kickstarter uh, sometime next year. Uh, I think they said mid-2019, what I would expect is that they're going to use the Apocalypse World engine for this, because that's generally what Magpie does these days. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, it's kind of a, uh, an old school OSR style game where you play, uh, you get these things called character books, which, you know, kind of just say everything you need to know about your character. And it gives you very, very, very specific moves that you can make. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good little engine. You, you played actual factual Apocalypse World, Jonathan, right? I did indeed. I did indeed. It's a fun
0: interesting game. It's uh it's got some curious mechanics and there's a lot of uh let's just say family questionable writing in the
1: uh in the Apocalypse the World. Yes. Yeah. But I have read uh, I've read Dungeon World, which is sort of the D&D uh D&D build of Apocalypse World. And that one plays exactly like you'd think, you know, like if you're playing a paladin, like one of your moves is just, you know, lay on hands or smite or whatever. And yeah, you know, I mean it's
0: because there's a large amount of sexually oriented material in that one.
1: Yeah, I've know. i I've read Monster Hearts. There's that, that, yes, that one too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point where you're just like, wow, okay. So I guess that's the central theme of the game. Yeah, yeah, it is. I do not expect that to be the central theme of Root. <laughs> no, no. No, that would actually get really weird really fast.
1: Yes, yes, it would. But yeah, it... it Anyway, that's what I would expect out of them. Just playbooks. And, and there's a lot of Apocalypse World games you could check out. Um, if you want something D&D, Dungeon World's good. If you The, the superhero game that Magpie does called Masks is very good. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it looks interesting. I, I, I will be very curious about this one when it comes out. And Apocalypse World's good because it's kind of easy to pick up. Because you get your character sheet. That kind of tells you everything you can do.
0: Character sheet's actually super straightforward. That's one of the greatest parts about Apocalypse World.
1: Yeah, so... But that'll be coming mid-2019, Root the RPG. That is really exciting, actually. It's a neat world that they built there. Yeah, yeah. I loved reading about the game, because I liked how everybody had different win conditions. And I like how they put in animals that are basically Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, like doing <laughs> the Jimbo thing. That's just fun.
0: All right, well, are you ready to round out the news with uh, my personal biggest story of the uh, of the episode? All right, go. George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead was released in 1968. Right. 50 years later, Simon has acquired the rights to the film and is making a zombicide Night of the Living Dead game. <laughs> I am so excited. I don't even know where to
1: begin. I am positively bristling with love. I'm so that's, excited. That's an interesting direction to take that franchise because a lot of it's been very exploration-based and having, like, a house siege could be an yes. interesting variant.
0: Yes. I like that. I'm I like that a so, lot.
1: I think it's fantastic. I'm
0: super, super, super excited.
1: Yeah, I dig that a lot. Like, yeah, having a house siege. And how do you, how do you make that interesting? Because, like, uh, Castle Panic does that, sort of. Yeah, no, Castle Panic. Dead Panic. You're thinking Dead Panic. Well, Dead Panic, Castle Panic, kind of yeah, yeah, similar yeah. concepts. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a siege. And, and, and with the zombicide framework, that would be... That, that yes. The more I think about it, the more I like it, because that, that, Zombicide and variants kind of have that exploration thing going, and, and yeah, this is just an entirely new game. There's an entire different strategy about trying to, to wait out a siege. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm really, 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 really excited about this. I think this is going to be a fabulous, uh, fabulous merging of brands.
1: And I wonder if they'll do the thing, because uh, a lot of the uh, zombicide style games, especially lately, they've sort of moved into the realm that everybody's very hyper competent and like kind of super heroic. And I wonder if they'll pair that back and, you know, you're more like normal people and, and you know, getting zombies on you is just real bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. And while we are on the movie end of the spectrum, now now that you got a movie going to a board game. Let's flip that sucker around and have a board game becoming a movie. This, this always ends well. This I'm actually also equally excited about. I If if this if any board game was screaming to become a film, it's this one. Mice and Mystics is becoming a movie. Oh, I read about that. Tell me that doesn't just make absolute sense. DreamWorks Animation
1: is, uh, uh, has signed a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a, a Illuma. I, I can't. That's Studio. <laughs> Uh, isn't no, that the no, no. ones? I think, no, I think they're different than DreamWorks. Oh, they are? I have no yeah. idea. Okay. Well, whatever. DreamWorks. Regardless, it's awesome. It's beginning, Jonathan. It's beginning. You see, like 10, 15 years ago, uh, a video game company bought the Champions RPG uh, to use all of its fluff for their MMO, and everybody was like, oh my god, is this going to like herald this thing where big companies are going to buy RPGs because they've got all this baked in lore? And... I, and and it, it kind of fizzled out because uh, Champions Online didn't do too well. But you know what? Maybe it will this time, Jonathan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think this is a great license uh, to make into a film. I think it lends itself very, very well. And I'm excited to see that it's a quality company like DreamWorks is doing it. I think that this this may be the conversion that does it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. It, it's it's a good idea if you're trying to make a film or video game property just to buy someone especially one of the more story heavy game universes, you know? Like Root, like uh yeah, yeah, like Mice and because Mice and Mystics has a fairly detailed story about a prince and Oh no, it's a hugely detailed story. There's there's
0: quite a bit of reading that happens in between the levels. That's that's one of the best parts about it. I mean Jerry Hawthorne's all about that story. I mean look at the games that he's made. Mice and Mystics, then he went and made stuffed fables, which is Hugely story driven, mm-hmm. uh, *Comin' which is hugely story driven. So it's it's his thing. Yeah, nice, nice. I'm excited. I think it, I think it, what a, what a great another great melding of the two worlds.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Well, speaking of movies, today it happened, Jonathan. Today they announced it. Mystery Science Theater is returning once again this Thanksgiving with six new episodes on the Netflix, and they released the movie list. Are you ready for it? Fire away. We get 1998's seminal classic, Mac and Me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Really? Yep. Oh, interesting story. Interesting story. And this is completely true. The kid from Mac and Me, I went to school with that kid. Like he was literally in my school. Yes. Yes. I went to school with him. I remember when that movie came out. And yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we will move on. I saw, it, I saw it in solidarity, and then it was never spoke of again.
0: <laughs> that movie is a little on the rough side. I mean, they
1: named the character after the movie tie-in
0: with the fast food.
1: It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which worked out well for McDonald's because, because of that, apparently Disney, Disney, like, really got into bed with them because they got jelly, and that was good for McDonald's. So I guess it worked out for somebody. I was reading about that today on the Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, next episode, 2013's magnum opus, Atlantic Rim, from Asylum Films. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, but it continues, Jonathan. It continues. Episode three, 1989. See, at first in the uh, late 80s. They're so recent. I love it. We got ourselves The Abyss, and then they were like, you know, oh, hey, Underwater movie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't tell me. It's either going to be Leviathan or Deep Star Six. No, 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 no. This is the, uh, this is the, the fifth greatest underwater movie of that genre. Uh, 1989's Lords of the Deep.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> I really thought you were going to give me a Leviathan or a Deep Star Six. You You wish. Movies? You wish. Those are quality films, sir. Not like Lords of the Deep, which was made by Have Roger you watched Corman. Have Leviathan? Roger Corman, sir. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, <sighs> it hurts. Next up is the pinnacle of film expression 1980s the day time ended wow yeah which i've never heard of but i'm excited to watch followed up the oldest film on the list from the great year of 1979 and surely the high point of the year killer fish because they couldn't get piranha or jaws oh no they had to get like the italian knockoff killer fish (laughs) that's a stretch that one right there I mean, Piranha 2 is ripe for it. <laughs> and then, rounding out the sixth episode, 1982's cinema classic, no, not Conan the Barbarian, because Conan the Barbarian's not good enough for Mystery Science Theater, we get the Italian knockoff, A Tor, The Fighting Eagle, from the year 1982. Oh, wow. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i uh i was watching the preview for this jonathan and i teared up a little bit i was so happy these movies are so bad oh i know <laughs> i can't it's wait just,
0: it's yeah that's gonna be amazing
1: and so this this season is called the gauntlet and basically they are daring you to watch all six of them back to back because that is the premise of the season they're making uh the new host guy uh no is it noah i can't even remember his name <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the theme of this season is that they're making them do all six, all six of these movies, like back to back to back and trying to break them, which, you know, might work, might work. And, uh, if you're wondering why six episodes this season, instead of like 12 or 13, uh, basically Joel said a lot of people like binge the show and binging 13 bad movies in a row is real hard. And I will, I will, yes, that is real hard. I did it. And it, it was rough. But you know what, man? I could do six. Six is a real good time. Six is just just starting to to overstay its welcome. But then by then you're on the six one, and you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm done. Oh,
0: oh it's going to be a fantastic exploration of terrible.
1: And uh, and it's coming out on Thanksgiving Day. Going back to the MST three K tradition of having marathons on Thanksgiving Day. Now we will have all the new episodes on Thanksgiving Day. That's a Thanksgiving miracle. And if you're wondering uh, what what's going to happen to the Thanksgiving marathon that they usually do on YouTube, they're doing that, too. So you can watch either. And they're also going to do the Thanksgiving uh, marathon the weekend before, which was this past weekend when you hear this on National Absurdity Day because it's this weekend coming up for us. But it's in the past for you, gentle listener. It It's playing this weekend. So you probably could see it again because I'm sure they're restreaming it somewhere. But, yeah yeah turkey day turkey day 2018 is gonna be a good day it's gonna be so good jonathan so good i can't wait with
0: you on that that is gonna be a good day indeed
1: (laughs) i can't wait to see mac and me again i've actually i've heard so much about how terrible that movie is and i remember it not being great when i saw it when i was a kid but i really want to see it again now i'm so excited (laughs) i think we're done i think that's the
0: news sir well, that brings us to the end of Wisdom of Crowds, but that is, of course, the beginning of A Year in the Life. That's our segment where we look at what we deep dove a year ago, and we have 365 seconds to talk about it again. And if we want to go longer, that means we need to take that sucker off the shelf. So, what did we do a year ago,
1: Robert? Well, the first one kind of doesn't count, because FMD, episode 26, The Psychology of Permanence, was our interview with the great, the epic, the man among awesome people everywhere, Jamie Stegmeyer indeed indeed God, was that a year ago that was a year ago that was more than a year ago at this point to be honest with you
0: yeah i was gonna say i, th- oh, I guess because i guess we recorded it before
1: yeah yeah but then next up forgot my dice episode 27 things start exploding with loot massive darkness which i've played recently
0: and is so much fun like i have not gotten that to the table nearly enough is that one of the ones with an app it is it is and the app's actually quite handy Quite, yeah. quite handy it cuts down on your setup time
1: a lot yeah I would have liked that when we were playing it I would have liked that a lot yeah I don't think the app was out when we were playing it so no we, it, we was, it was right brand new it, it was out. brand new because like it was the hotness you were like we gotta play this we gotta play this I like that game a lot. It, it's based on the
0: Zombicide rule set, but it's very much Gauntlet. I mean, it's just huge hordes of monsters coming at you. No, no, no,
1: no. it's Diablo. Yeah, it is Diablo. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. Because things explode game. with loot in that game. <laughs> that, that is such what happens in that game. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: I I love, love, love Ma- uh, Massive Darkness. It's got some, some great little gameplay tweaks to the Zombicide formula. Uh, it, it's a super offensive game which I really like it definitely
1: in in that you attack things and not that it uh grates on you and makes you uh yeah no 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 offensive as in it 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 pays to be
0: aggressive in that game yeah well it's Diablo yeah without a without a a question so I I really like it I got the Kickstarter and I got the the all-in thing and I got all the little expansions and it's going to take me years to explore all these expansions (laughs) but they're all fantastic I haven't I haven't played a single expansion I didn't like yet the Were Tiger is awesome, by the way.
1: He's mean. <laughs> nice. That was a cool mini. I remember seeing that mini. Or not. <sighs> that was an absurd. That was corny and it was terrible, and you should feel ashamed. <laughs> I'll feel ashamed when you feel ashamed. I don't know what that means. That's not absurd either. That's just stupid. You, let's just move on. <laughs>
0: So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I've played it a bunch in the the, the past year. I want to play it some more. I really enjoy it. I, uh, yeah. Massive Darkness has got legs for me.
1: Oh, my God. I forgot. Massive Darkness coined our very first episode title, The Smabbing, because that Cliffbreaker Cyclops. Oh, that's right. Because he's got the rock with the pointy end, so yeah, it's not, not yeah. going to smash you. He's not going to stab you. He's going to smab you. <laughs> 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 fmd episode zero the smabbing yeah oh man it's a little piece of history i'm so sorry that we left on the internet <laughs> <laughs> you know the episode's kind of hard to, to find i have it set in a weird way oh, i shouldn't say that at best. least yeah <laughs> <laughs> the smabbing <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Crowds segment. We will be back in just one short moment with our deep dive for the episode. We're calling this deep dive Happy Little Accidents.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited. I am too. See you back, guys. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast.
0: Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back. It is now time for our deep dive, and this week's deep dive, Robert, if you're a fan of the show if you've listened to any of our episodes you'll know whenever humanly possible bob ross will make a guest appearance and today he is the star of the show it is time for us to deep dive happy little accidents yet another bob ross game
1: by your friends at big g yeah man they make some good stuff we don't make mistakes we just make happy little accidents happy little accidents is the game where your mistakes become your masterpieces Celebrate creativity in this positive party game inspired by the wisdom of legendary painter Bob Ross. You will surprise yourself by transforming abstract shapes and squiggles into charming pieces of art, then share your clever doodles and award points to other players for their inspired creations. So this is probably going to be the shortest deep dive ever. Well, knowing us, we'll stretch it out for an hour.
0: Uh, Here's what you need to know. This is a party game, and that means it's it's rules-like, fun-heavy. It's not going to stand on its own in a game night. It's not like you can build an entire game night around it, but let me tell you, Anytime this box comes off your shelf, it's a good time. By the way, you got the retail version, right? Because I got the Gen Con version. Does yours have
1: uh, the, the fuzzy face on the front?
0: Yes. Yes, it does. Okay, good. That makes me happy. I don't want <laughs> anybody to not have that.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, I, I recognize that I thought was maybe different from yours is um, my pad of scratch paper was actually bound, you know, and you like tore it off like a tear-off sheet. Was yours you, like that? You mean like it's,
0: it's bound with uh Like, like, like glue? Rubber?
1: Yeah, like glue. Yeah, yeah, mine's the same way. Okay, I just didn't notice that in yours. All right, so how do we play this game, Jonathan? The, the very first thing is for every player, everybody gets three sheets of paper from the little paper thing.
0: Yes, the, the little sheets of paper, uh, if you eventually run out of the pad that comes with the game, which is probably going to happen pretty quick because it's pretty small, um, you can use any paper. It doesn't matter. All you need is three sheets of paper. Everybody's going to have their own color marker. This color is going to match their player tokens. These tokens will come into play in a little while.
1: And there are six colors that come in the box. And they are, they are you know, alizarin red and uh, orange and th- phalo green, phalo blue, yellow ochre. Basically all the stuff that you've come to know and love from Bob Ross. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're also going to have a communal pen. And this pen is a different color. It's, it's black. It does not match any of the player tokens. And that's important because the first thing you're going to do is pass this pen around. And everybody's going to draw a squiggle, a line, something. Doesn't matter what. It's not based on anything. There's no, it can be free form. It's whatever comes to mind. You just draw a shape, a line. And a you squid. can't
1: take your the pen off the paper. It has to be one continuous stroke. Exactly. So when I do it, I usually do a good mix of random curves and spirals and then geometric kind of blockiness and but whatever. It just, you can't like draw two lines next to each other. You just have to keep the pin on the page for something. And honestly, don't think too hard here. No, no. The more r- random the shape, the better the result almost always.
0: So once everybody has put their random squiggle on the line, everybody flips their paper squiggle side down, passes it into the middle. It all gets shuffled around and messed up, and then everybody's handed a random paper. Yep. You flip it over, you look at the mess that you're about to deal with, and then the card comes into play.
1: And you can do it any way you want to make it more gamey. We started rolling dice, but the way that says on the game is you pull a card off the deck, and you pull a single card per round... And then whoever is kind of the timer guy at this point, gamer guy or gal, uh, you look to one person, say, give me a number between one and six. However you want to do that. If you want to just throw one out, if you want to roll a die, whatever you got to do, you do. And then it'll say something on the card. Like Jonathan, pull out a random card. All right. I've got one. All right. uh, Six. Six is smooth. There you go. Man, that's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal
0: because here's the thing. Things can be easier to kind of conceptualize or they can be, concepts like smooth so like round one here's your six choices you could do football surgery underground inspector complaint or smooth
1: yeah <laughs> i've done inspector <laughs> i've done surgery what you do is you have a little timer it's like what maybe 30 seconds i don't even know i haven't even actually timed uh, you know,
0: it i've been so curious about this i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do this right now
1: oh this is riveting radio sir keep talking do, 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 no, do, I meant in general. Do, so talk, talk, talk about what happens with the cards. <laughs> All right, well, you pull out the timer, and you reveal what the word is, and you flip over the timer. And however long it is, which we are discovering as I speak, because this is riveting radio, is how long you have to take your black squiggle with your color, uh, so say you're playing orange, and you somehow try to convert the concept of the squiggle into smooth or inspector or surgery or whatever your, your, your topic is. It's a party game, so when you get done with your picture, you, everybody reveals it, and then you kind of have to sell it a little bit. You should sort of explain it because that's where the 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 laughs and the ha-has come in. Like my daughter once, uh, we had to do like pet, and she got this weird, like really long up and down squiggle. Time. I, I wasn't keeping time. How much time was that? About 30 seconds. Okay. And so what she did was she just drew a cat on one end of the squiggle and then a little tuft of hair on the, uh, the way other end. And she's like, this is my cat with a really long tail. And it was very cute.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the greatest thing is introducing the art and walking people through it is where all the laughs come from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, going around the table and having going around the table and having everybody explain their thought process on how they attack that squiggle is hysterical. It's, <laughs> it's always funny there's and, never a time where
1: you don't laugh and and like any joke us explaining the joke to you right now is horrifically unfunny but trust us just do it like you know this is like the matrix you just kind of have to experience it for yourself
0: yeah you know and that that kind of holds true of a lot of party games right robert i mean you can you can explain a party game but until you've tried it, it it's never going to sink in
1: mm mm. completely true So then what you do is you do three rounds of that, which conveniently every card has three columns of stuff on it. And so, you know, you only need one card per game. And the game comes with like a mess of cards, like a good like. quite a
0: few. Quite a few.
1: Yeah. And then, you you know, you do column one for round one, column two for round two, column three for round three. And then you're done. And then everybody takes their best piece of art and you put it in the center. And then you get uh, you get score tokens for the number of players in the game minus yourself obviously so if it's a full round of six people you get five tokens and then you just put three two or you have a bunch of ones if you if you get down that far you have
0: one three one two and the rest are ones
1: yeah and you just vote on which one's your favorite and then whoever whichever picture has the most points wins and that's it you're done (laughs) now
0: here's the thing in theory on paper this doesn't really sound engaging or it works but when you get a group of people together everybody laughs
1: everybody has a good time we play this with jessica right yeah we play with jessica i play it with aelin aelin loves this game my my seven-year-old we we this is about once or twice a week this comes out as our pre-bedtime activity we'll just play a round of it and then you know maybe two if we have the time and then it's bedtime you know that's great family fun
0: you do not need artistic talent to make this work in fact not having artistic talent seems to work best.
1: Yeah, it's funny, because um, uh, after I made that crack about Gina in the last episode, which she heard and gave me guff about, we played other games, and I realized she hasn't won a whole heck of a lot because she draws things so well that she doesn't have to sell it. Like, when oh, we... And the selling it is where it happens. Right, right, exactly. And so, you know, a lot of people like, will give her like the two-pointer because, like, oh, hers is good, but this was funnier. And, and I, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, art, art is irrelevant. Art actually is a hindrance. you got to be able to sell your image and when your image looks like what you're trying to sell it's just easy it's like oh that's a cat <laughs> whereas you say this is my cat this is my mutant cat with the crazy long tail cuz that's funny
0: <laughs> now, now i have brought this game out in at several game nights and it has stolen the show every time
1: mhm
0: it's such a pleasant way to end a game uh, a, a night as well it's just Everybody leaves the
1: table with a smile. I, I don't doubt it at all. Let's let's shotgun through these because there isn't much here. The rule book. I've read the rule book. You've read the rule book. It's it's simple as dirt. Like I don't know yeah. how, how you can make it, it better it, or worse. It, it
0: gets you right to the point, and there's never a rules question.
1: No, not at all. Because we just explained all the rules to you. It's that easy. The components. Well, there's a timer and some markers and paper that you'll run out of quickly. So I guess you'll have to pull out the scissors and you know cut up the the printer paper. Not really any components. I guess they're fine. They do what they need yeah. to do. And,
0: and even when they eventually wear out, you've got the cards. The cards are all that matters. You can yeah. use any paper, any pens.
1: Just just drive yourself down to Target or whatever and get some Crayolas and make a you know, call today. Like, yeah, that's all you need. May I suggest the Mr. Sniff markers that are... Yeah, um, but then you've got to you use the them. licorice one first. And that's just... Ugh. Uh, yeah, good point. I'm going to go with that. But the
0: rest <laughs> of them are quite lovely. I'm but, a big fan of the watermelon marker.
1: Yeah, true that, true that. I'll give you that one.
0: Why is everything pink? Because it smells good. That's why.
1: So how are the components? Uh, They're fine, we guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, components aren't what this game is about. No, it's a party game. Anything off in the execution? uh, No, it's a party game. Like, what, what can you do? Here's the thing. It's like any party game. This completely hinges on the crowd. If the crowd sucks, this is an awful party game. And if your crowd's having a lot of fun, this is an amazing party game.
0: So the the first time I played this game was at Gen Con. I just bought it. I was really excited, and I brought it to a group of folks, uh, many of them in the industry. And we all sat down, and everybody was giving me this look of what is happening right now. (laughs) Are you serious? We're going to play this crazy game. Nobody was into it, even remotely. I explained the rules. They were all great sports. We all got into it. By the end of round one, everyone had a smile on their face, Everybody was laughing and having a great time and fully engaged. This game is 1,000% charm. It's that's it, it, what it excels at. It will
1: charm anybody. Recommended player count. Uh, I've played it with three, and you want to know what's amazing about playing with three people, my wife and my child and myself? Uh, we all get five points all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's ties across the board. We, we, we are now at the ninth round of our ties. So... Yes, play play with the uh, play with as many people as possible. It will get it gets better with the more people. It's like Voltron. The more you hook up, the better it gets.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think that maxing the sucker out is always the way to go.
1: All right. So, is it fun to play? Here we go, Jonathan. This this is the this is the big kicker here. Yes, share stories. So, industry folks.
0: Yeah, I, I've played this game uh, a dozen times at this point, and there's never been a time where I wasn't laughing and having a great time. Uh, by the end of the the experience, a couple times I wasn't even in the mood for it, and other people wanted to try it because it's the funny Bob Ross game with the the flocked uh, the flocked beard on the front. <laughs> like everybody sees that box and they reach out and touch it, and they're like, "I really want to play this." <laughs> it is, so I it end is up playing, it, and you know what? Every single time, by the by the end of the first round, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, and I'm having a great time, and everybody at the table is. I don't know what you can say about a party game that is a larger compliment other than everybody's always smiling and laughing when they play it. It's, it's what a party game is designed to do. And in that respect, it is nothing short of brilliant. And it is such a simple concept. And I, hats off to the people at Big G because they've not only made one, but now two Bob Ross games. That is the wackiest license in the world. There's no reason why a Bob Ross board game should ever work. And there's two of them. And they're both fantastic. Yeah. And I don't mean that in an ironic way. They're great games.
1: Yeah, you're not a hipster, Jonathan. You don't have a man bun yet. I'll never have a man bun. (laughs) You got a beard, though.
0: Uh, (laughs) Does it count as a man bun if it's knotted in the beard?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what you hipsters do these days. Let's let's find out in a year. Okay. This is is what I would say. This game works mainly because of its lack of uh, skill. I I would say, because I, I think as gamers, as an artist, not as a game design, right, right. R- right I think, uh, I think as I, I'm not talking about game design. This game's is amazing. They, there's obviously good game design here. Uh, us as gamers, sometimes we get a little too fixated on the win and on thinking about it. And, you know, sometimes you just need to play a party game. Like, for example, when I was really heavy into War Machine, do you know what all of the War Machine guys would do? Uh, after you know after the games were over for the day and they were just socializing you know the big socializing game at every war machine thing ever is it's werewolf like werewolf huh. by night they just play it and that that game it's just a, a a cute little social deduction game that you have to play with a large crowd and they they make like crazy large crowd versions of it because you know they can at a convention i mean they get like 20 30 people games going of werewolf that's the thing like it's <clears throat> it is the perfect game for us as gamers because at the end of a board game night, you know, when it's like, oh, I guess we could leave now. I mean, it's a ha- I got a half hour to kill, but I guess I'll just go home early or whatever. Nah, just whip it out and have a good memory. Kind of go out on a high note where you're just sort of doing something else. Or, you know, play it with your kids because, oh, my gosh, my seven-year-old understands this game and loves it. And it's like a privilege now. We can If she gets in trouble, we can take this away from her, and it hurts her. Do you understand the power of that? It's a privilege now, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. My kids are into it, too. They love it. It's great. It's one of those good party games that sort of stretches beyond the age groups because, you know, Say what you will about how you feel about, I don't know, Super Fight or Cards Against Humanity, which are also card games which do the same thing. You're not playing either of those games probably with your children because a lot of it is so contextual of pop culture. But anybody, anybody can try to attempt to tack pictures onto a squiggle and then try to sell it. You know, anybody can do that. My seven-year-old can do it. I can do it. And it's a game we both play. And And it's a game we both play because it requires no skill. It's a game that we both play at a very equal level. And and it's weird to have my seven-year-old sitting across from me, and in this context, at least, she is my peer, you know? <laughs> and it's fun, and I, I don't know what else to say. This game is stupid fun, and if you have children, you should play it, and if you have board game nights where you have 20 minutes to kill at the end, you should play it. Or even
0: 20 minutes at the beginning. yeah. I'm, I'm going to take this with me to Thanksgiving with the family, and and my family is not board gamers.
1: That is a fantastic idea. I'm I'm doing Thanksgiving not with the family, but we're doing Christmas, and we should take this up with us and play it with Grandma and Grandpa. That is a fantastic this is, this is idea. going
0: to be great. People are going to love this. We're all going to laugh.
1: Yeah, it's great. I, I don't know what else to say. I think we've explained this game enough just in the context of the podcast as we brought it up about how much we like it. But that's how much we like it, people. We want you to, to really go look at it.
0: And and here's the other thing I've been keeping all of my art. Yeah, like, me too. I have all of the art from all the games that I've played stuffed in the bottom of the box.
1: Yeah, you know what I totally want to do? I totally want to get a big picture frame once like I I we get enough of it, and just like put it up as some sort of weird collage in my house. I think that'd be really yeah. fun. <laughs> I I actually
0: wanted to take a picture of a collage of all that art once it's done and send it to uh, Big G Creative and just say thank you. Yeah, because it's just. It's so much fun. And you can get this at Target, which is amazing. And it's cheap. It's like 20 bucks, right? Or less. Oh God, or less. I can't, I don't even know. Whatever
1: it's worth. I don't don't care how much they're charging for it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So the MSRP on this people is 20 bucks. And according to target.com, right now it's on sale for 15 because they're doing a board game sale right now. So hopefully that's going on in a week. (laughs) Yeah, just get it. It's great. The box is amazing. It's fluffy. You know, you just touch it and you feel good. Like, oh, yeah. It's like you're on E, but you're not. Just good. You know that feeling.
0: (laughs) Now, you know what's amazing? It's carrying a five star rating at Target. (laughs) I'm not shocked. I'm not either. No. Oh, wow. I shouldn't have gone to Target. That was a mistake. Why? Because now I really want this happy little day to day calendar for 2019. $10.39. Oh, (laughs) shit.
1: sorry add to cart yeah that's gonna do it's not gonna go on your your desk at work <sighs> that's gonna
0: go with me wherever i go
1: yes if you have kids like buy this game they'll enjoy it
0: if you yeah have an ounce of humanity buy this game you'll enjoy it that's yeah that's all that we need
1: yeah yeah we love this game it's great thank you big g I, I i can't wait to have a weird collage of squiggles hanging in my house somewhere that's totally gonna happen Oh, you know, you know, it'd be amazing getting like a coffee table and then like putting them all down on the coffee table and like shellacking it.
0: Oh, that would be cool. That would be super <laughs>
1: cool.
0: I would actually love to. Um, I, I almost want to get a second copy of the game and ha- so I can put like the uh, the box cover in the center.
1: Oh, yeah. Of the collage. That's an interesting idea. But you can't shellack it because then you can't touch the bob, but then you'd wear it all off. But that would be art. For the wall. That's true. That's true. All right. All right.
0: <laughs> I want to turn my happy little accidents into a happy little gift. <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it's official. We've hit the end of this. <laughs> of what we can say about happy little accidents?
1: Yeah, we totally have. So that is happy little accidents.
0: That's from Big G. Uh, they, I, I believe it's a Target exclusive. Is it not?
1: It is. It's a Target exclusive.
0: So if you're not in the States, uh, call up your friend that does have a target near them. Um, Heck, I mean, like, seriously, if you're willing to pay shipping and you're not in the United States, contact me. I will gladly make a copy go your way. This game deserves to be loved by the entire world. Word. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 51 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, as always, we invite you to join the absurdity of all of our digital domains, and we'd love to hear from you. Hop on. Uh, we are definitely most active on Facebook. We've got a great Facebook group going. As always, Robert, uh, as we close out this episode. You, you forgot. Funny-
1: you forgot. We promised, Jonathan. We promised we'd do the tease what? for the next episode. Oh, yes, the tease. Robert, tease us. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, things can happen between now and then. But we have a game designer and author, Rusty Zimmerman, who does a lot of Shadowrun uh, supplements coming on to the old podcast and he he's also in a podcast of uh the earth dawn rpg actual play and and all sorts of fun stuff so he we will be chatting with him next episode unless something awful happens or life because we're dads and stuff happens so you know how it goes we haven't recorded it yet so it hasn't happened yet but it's 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 scheduled to happen and if you schedule it they will come i learned that in wayne's world or is it wayne's world 2 it was wayne's world 2 if you, No, if you book them, they will come. And we have we have definitely booked Rusty Zimmerman. <laughs> I'm nodding slowly to myself over here, like, what I said has any validation <laughs> or weight. <way> to...
0: <laughs> well, that hint of delirium and extended silences on both of our sides tells us that we are running out of steam, which seems appropriate, because this is the end of episode 51 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Robert, any final thoughts?
1: Battle Chasers is a baby of D&D 4th edition... Uh, JRPGs, uh, Diablo, and World of Warcraft, and it's great, and I love it, and you should buy it, and we should play it and talk about it, because there's fun combos. And we can talk about Red Monaco later, That that's a weak point, but whatever, don't put her in your party, just do her. They want me to
0: remember to play this, because now I really want to play it, but I'm just going to forget, because I'm not always near my PlayStation.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's surprisingly good, because it does the JRPG thing of guys on both sides of the, the table, but... All of your characters' abilities are super duper situational, and so figuring out how to you know go from A to B to C to D with your characters to to do stuff. And here's the thing too: when you do your like magic spells, uh, they actually knock your character down in the initiative order. And so sometimes it's like, oh, I really need to get this heal off before so and so acts. But if I do the good heal. that'll happen after something attacks and I can't have that so I have to do this crudier heal and you gotta like watch your initiative and it's very tactical considering it's just people on two sides of the screen it's great it's great and Calibretto is amazing because he's he's a really good healer and he his basic attack is called gut punch and man that <laughs> gut punch looks like it would hurt holy crap like his animation when he just runs up and just 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 undercuts you right in the solar plexus it looks so painful because he's a big giant robot and he's just like kabam right right in the solar plexus
0: alright well that does of course bring us to the end of our episode so there's only one thing left to do
1: Robert party on party on Jonathan The music you heard in this podcast was Intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.